folks, Dr. Tim Jordan back here with another episode of Raising Daughters. The summer is winding down quickly. My summer camps are over. So I thought I would tell you a little bit this morning about a topic that's been on my mind since since the last camp. Because of some of the things that the girls were sharing with me. There's a girl who I will call Annie who said that, that she is being sexually harassed at school by the boys a lot. And she said, it happens all the time. Guys will squeeze your butt or accidentally, quote unquote, rub up against your chest or kind of uh, grind on you. She said, I've told them a million times to stop, but it doesn't do any good. So I usually just keep walking and try to ignore them. That, my friends, is a common story I hear from girls in my counseling practice at retreats, camps, all those places. So many of the girls I talk to have been harassed in middle school and high school. Groped in the hallways, grinded on at dances, cat calls no matter how they're dressed. It's so commonplace that it's become kind of the norm for girls. And most girls feel helpless to stop it. I asked the girls at camp, you know, when it started, you know, what grade? And most of them said by about seventh grade. And I asked them why. They said, jokingly, girls don't have butts until then. And that's probably pretty true. But it's also earlier for the girls who develop earlier, especially that first girl who gets the curves early. Those girls get harassed a lot, especially by the, uh, the older boys. Teen girls also feel pressured to send nudes, you know, either partial or fully nude photos of themselves. I saw a recent uh, data that said about 28% of high school students and 33% of college students give in to that. Boys are much more likely to send sexually explicit written messages to girls, much more likely than girls are. It's kind of like a technological groping, if you will. And the girls who I, who I think uh, receive those, that pushing the most, are girls who tend to be the most vulnerable. And they're, they're much more likely to be targets and to give in. I saw a girl, I talked to a girl who I will call Addie, who had lost a lot of friends in middle school. Starting in about fifth grade, she felt lonely a lot. She ate lunch alone a lot. And when she was in eighth grade, she was pushed by a boy to send nudes. And she did several times. And then, and then it got out to another school and another school. And then it, um, the, the school found out about it. And then she got into, got into big trouble. I remember her telling me that she felt like she was only valued for her body. Once again, a very common story. So the last several years, we've read stories in the news about people like Harvey Weinstein, about sexually harassing women in the workplace. But I'm telling you, it starts early. It starts early. So I want to talk a little bit this morning about why this is happening, what girls can do about it, uh, what parents can do about it, but even more importantly, what the system needs to do about it, because we've put so much responsibility on the girls as if it's their fault. And that really pisses me off. I used to ask girls, why don't you do something about it? And, and the responses are very commonplace. What they'll say to me is, if I complain, I get laughed at. I get called a prude, and then I get it worse. Girls will say that if I, if I think that if I tell the boys it's sexist or I, I react more aggressively, then I get labeled a feminist bitch or a lesbian. If I do nothing, I'm labeled a slut, and I get, it kind of gives boys permission to keep going. And so the girls kind of numb out to it. They have to act like it's no big deal. 
Plus, they've been conditioned to be good girls, and good girls don't make waves. Good girls don't confront people or cause conflict. And they worry a lot about speaking out. A lot of times, instead, girls go internal, and they'll start to wonder, did I do something to make him think that's what I wanted? Did I do something wrong? Is it my fault? And they often tend to deny or minimize what they've been through, like it's no big deal. But it is a big deal. And when they have a safe place to talk about it, they realize they've been holding on to a lot of emotions about it. And their peers have become muted bystanders, if you will, with almost nobody standing up for each other or for their friends. And countless girls have told me that they have reported what happened to the principal, to the school counselor, and nothing happens. Many girls have told me that the principal told them just to ignore it, or they end up getting blamed for aching the boy on because of the, their outfits or because of their behavior. And almost always, nothing happens. I have heard that over and over as well. They report it. Uh, it's kind of a he said, she said kind of thing. Nobody takes them serious and nothing happens to, nothing happens to stop it. There's a really good book I read last year called Missoula, M-I-S-S-O-U-L-A as in Missoula, Montana, which is where the University of Montana is. And they had the highest number of on-campus rapes of any university in the country. John Krakauer, who is a great author, wrote the book, and he went there to investigate all this. He followed some court cases. It's a great book about this whole topic of, of what's happening to our girls and why. Lots of statistics, also some information about the brain, what happens to girls when they're harassed or when they're um, uh, raped. Less than 20% of rapes are ever reported to the police. Let me say that again. Less than 20% of rapes are ever reported to the police. And the women who do go to the emergency room, uh, sexual response units, feel like they get raped all over again. Um, they feel like the, the professionals there don't respond very well. It's like it's very traumatic for them. Um, in a 2010 report, uh, reported that the uh, rate of false rape claims are, are usually around 2 to 5%. Because that's something we hear a lot as well. What if girls are making it up? And what if girls are just trying to get a guy in trouble? But it's usually around 2 to 5%. Most victims do not report these crimes because they believe the report will be met with suspicion or disbelief. At least 80% of rapes are never disclosed to law enforcement. And one study found only 5 to 20% of forcible rapes were reported to the police. 0.4 to 5% of rapes are ever prosecuted. And only 0.2 to 2.8% of rapes end in a conviction that includes any jail time. And women know this. That's another reason why they don't report it. Women who are the ages of 16 to 24 face the highest risk of being sexually assaulted, more so than any other age group. Most college women are preyed upon when they are first and second year students. And it's usually by people that they know. It's, it's most common in the initial weeks of their freshman year when they're in their greatest danger because they're the most vulnerable. Being groped in the hallways of middle school and high school is not the same as being raped. And yet, I think it's, it's similar in the sense that they don't tend to report it either because of the same reasons. I had talked to a girl, uh, 16-year-old Ellie, who, had, who was telling her mom about being groped at school, and she was really upset. And her, um, 
She told her mom she didn't report because she said, they're football players and nobody's going to listen to me. They're going to make my life a living hell if I report it. I'm going to talk about changing the system a little bit later on in this podcast, but that's that's something that's got to, got to happen. Remember, too, that our, our girls have been growing up in a very sexually objective, objectified culture. They've been conditioned to believe that their bodies exist for the pleasure of other people, for sexual performance, that their body and how they look and their appearance is the most important part of them, uh, how sexy and hot they are. That's what's most important. Their bodies have become like products instead of something to enjoy. Their body is something to show off instead of being about function. It's used to impress people, to attract boys' attention. So that has been conditioned into them. They've also got this whole attitude about it's their fault when they get groped. I saw a a nice quote by Jessica Valenti, who wrote a book called The Purity Myth. And she said, women don't get raped because they were drinking or because they took drugs. Women don't get raped because they weren't careful enough. Because they weren't careful enough. Women get raped because someone raped them. And I think the same thing holds true for girls in the hallways of school. They don't get groped and harassed because of their outfit or because they're wearing a crop top. They get harassed because a boy is harassing them. I tell girls that one of the things that they can do about this to take care of themselves is to find an adult that they trust. Maybe it is a principal, the assistant principal. Maybe it's a school counselor. Maybe the school police officer. Maybe it's a teacher. Somebody they trust who will take them seriously and explain to them what's been happening to them and let them know and and tell them that if it occurs again, they want to be able to go to them and that this person who they trust will take some action. That way, the next time a guy grabs their butt in the hallway, I suggest to girls that they firmly and assertively get in their face and tell them in a loud voice, knock it off. I'm not willing to be touched unless I say it's okay. If it happens again, I will march into that office and report to the police officer on duty. Never again. Then I tell them to turn and walk away and not care about what other people think about their actions. That's the hard part because they sometimes, oftentimes, usually do care. But this might motivate them. You know, if they're upset enough, it might motivate them to not care so much. And then if the guy tries it again, I tell them to follow through and then report it immediately. And if they're not satisfied that the action is taken that they want, I think she and her parents can go up as high on the chain of command as is necessary to have the issue addressed. Talk to the, the principal, the district office, the head of the school board, whoever it takes to get something done. I had a girl who, who was um, forcibly um, harassed and groped in the hallway of her high school. This, uh, she was in between classes, and this guy put his hand up her shirt. He put his hand down in her pants. She froze, which, is happen- which happens a lot for girls. She reported it, and they... They act like they weren't going to do anything. And she said, there's cameras in the hallway. They checked the film. They saw it on film because most high schools have, you know, have cameras in the hallways. And they still did nothing because he was a star basketball player. Gosh, how often is that the case? And read that book, Missoula, because that's one of the things that John Krakauer found when a lot of the cases did not get prosecuted because of who the guy was. Young people will not take this problem seriously until the adults around them do. There still is an attitude out there 
that, you know, boys will be boys and it's a girl's fault that boys misbehave because they're wearing provocative clothes or acting sexual. Guys who violate girls' boundaries should experience immediate, severe consequences that girls feel safe in the hallways of school. And that everyone gets a message that the school is going to take this issue seriously. It's not going to be tolerated any longer. We also need to do things like revamp this whole guy culture thing that promotes disrespecting girls. Boys need to be educated about how their behaviors affect girls and themselves. They also need to learn some non-physical ways to experience closeness with girls, to spend more time hanging out with girls so they learn how to relate with them appropriately. Boys need to learn about noticing non-verbal cues. They need to learn that even a weak no or a stop it from a girl means no, with no excuses. We've got to educate boys. We've got to focus on changing the environment and the system instead of blaming girls and giving them all the responsibility to make this different. Research has shown that the best anti-bullying programs are the ones that focus on the bystanders, not the perpetrator or the victim. And I think the same thing holds true for this sexual harassment stuff. We've got to, we've got to focus our energy also on the bystanders. I think it'd be really helpful if middle schools and high schools would create spaces where these boys and girls can sit down together and have open discussions with each other and allow all the behaviors and everything that's going on and all the feelings that are involved to come to the surface so they can be dealt with, talked about. I think boys sometimes don't understand um, the results of their actions on girls. They haven't heard. They haven't heard the pain and the, they haven't heard about the anger. They haven't heard about the hurt feelings. They don't get it because we haven't had those discussions with them. They can make commitments to each other about setting boundaries. And this is for boys and girls and the school. There should be re regular follow-up to make sure everybody's being held accountable to whatever they commit to about taking care of each other. Students, parents, teachers, and the district all need to be on board and to be part of this process so that everybody knows this is up on the table, we're talking about it, we're not going to allow it anymore, and we're, gonna, we're going to empower the bystanders. They've made commitments to each other in these little group settings where they say no longer, and if we see it, we're going to say something about it, and we're all going to stop it. If they all do that, it's going to make a difference. There are also things that, that you can do at home if you're a parent listening to this. And the most important thing is to build a solid relationship with your, with your daughter. If parents consistently meet the, 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 their daughter's needs in healthy ways, then their daughter will grow up feeling loved, important, safe, accepted for who they are. They'll have the ability to trust people, to set boundaries. And, and that relationship will become the template for all future relationships with friends and with, with uh, guys, with boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever. All their relationships. They also need to learn and practice relationship skills at home. They need to have a voice at home. They need to learn that it's okay to be assertive. They need to learn the difference between being assertive and aggressive. I've talked about that in previous uh, podcasts. They need to be able to resolve their conflicts peacefully but firmly. They need to learn how to set boundaries and stand up for themselves and get their needs met. 
with their parents and siblings at home. All of those skills they will take to their peers and into their dating relationships. I would have open discussions about all of this stuff. Ask her what she likes about her outfits and her clothes. Ask her what she thinks about the outfits of people on TV and the movies. What does it say, if anything, about the girl or about the woman? Open up discussions about that. Watch your judgments about her and her peers. Because if you start judging her or her peers for things like her outfits, etc., you're going to close off communication. I know everybody listening to this wants to be now and remain an influence in her daughter's life. You want your daughters to feel safe to come to you, to bounce things off of you. And that will happen if you are a good listener who doesn't interrupt and doesn't judge and doesn't always jump to advice and fix it. You just learn to listen and understand. I think before the school year starts, ask her about her experiences in the past about being harassed or groped in the hallways of school or at parties, or at dances. How does she handle it? Does she feel comfortable setting boundaries? How does she set boundaries? Have her show you. Do some role-playing. In my, in my retreats, in my summer camps, we do practice that. And 99 times out of 100, the girls are not firm enough. They're wimpy. They're so afraid of making people mad, or displeasing people, or causing conflict losing friends, they got all this stuff in their heads and they aren't assertive enough. I tell girls something too that some of you listening to this may not like and listen to the whole thing before you start judging me. I tell them they should be able to wear anything they want. But if they're going to wear outfits that are somewhat revealing, if they're kind of sexy, I just tell them be prepared to handle boys' advances. Be ready because they might attract boys who have different interests than they do. Now, should that should they have to defend themselves if they're wearing a, a quote-unquote sexy outfit? Of course not. Boys need to learn to control themselves. It's not their fault. And we haven't shifted boys enough yet where that's not the reality. And boys may be attracted to girls who with those sexy outfits, and then they think that's what the girl wants because that's what they've been educated and conditioned by in the culture So we haven't changed enough yet to be able to not be able to say what I just said. So if they're going to wear sexy outfits, just be ready to take care of yourself. Be ready to set good boundaries. I also tell girls to get really clear about their own sexual boundaries. And not when they're on a date. And not in the hallways of school, but in the quiet of their bedroom. They need to get clear about what's okay with them and what's not that it's their body and they, they need to be respected and respect would look like whatever it looks like for them. If they decided ahead of time and their boundaries are clear and firm, boys sense that. They sense girls who are clear and firm versus girls who are vulnerable. I encourage girls to, to develop close guy friends, learn how to be around guys, learn how not to take their gruff, their stuff and to give it right back. I also think girls who are engaged in their interests and their passions, whether it be sports or theater or art or whatever it is, girls who are engaged in that and are being fulfilled by that tend to be more confident, more focused, and they have a higher level of what I call deservability. They tend to be girls who have higher self-love, and if they have high deservability and self-love, they tend to give off a different energy that says, don't mess with me.
I think we need to worry more about our daughter's self-esteem than their outfits. Let them practice voicing their needs at home, being true to themselves. Also, I would use everyday lessons and events, everyday events, excuse me, to teach lessons to them. Watch TV shows, watch movies, read books together, look at articles. There may be something in the paper you see. Use those events to talk about things. The whole thing about Harvey Weinstein, all these people who have been indicted for sexual harassment. Use those stories to, to, um, to trigger uh, discussions about what your daughter thinks about that. Watch TV shows and movies with them. And there may be certain times where you can stop and ask questions about what you notice there. Why do you think she did or did not set a boundary? Was her boundary clear and firm and assertive? I also tell girls, um, when they walk into a party that, where they don't know a lot of people, and if, if a guy walks in, I ask them if they have radar that says, hmm, nice guy, or radar that says, creep, stay away. And all the girls laugh and say, oh yeah, I have that radar, I, can, I, I have that sense. And I tell them to trust that, number one. Trust their gut. Be aware of when their alarms go off. At those, at those different critical points, decision points. If your gut says this guy doesn't feel right, there's something off, then trust it. I also tell them, or I ask them, do you think boys have radar too? And then they kind of giggle, but then they get kind of sheepish and they say, well, yeah. I say, and that's right. Because when you walk into a party, a guy can tell, is this a girl who has clear, firm boundaries and who's going to take care of herself? Or is this a girl who is vulnerable? And they need to know that too. So if they get clear about their boundaries when they're alone and quiet, they might be much they might be more likely to avoid making bad choices in the heat of the moment. We need to teach our, our teens also and our middle schoolers how to connect in non-sexual ways. Having deep conversations, holding hands, hugs, um, sports. Uh, being a trusting and loyal friend. They need to have some non-physical ways of connecting. That can be part of the discussion if you get guys and girls together in these little groups. Talk about what are some other ways you guys can connect. It's not about sex. Girls with a high level of self-love, confidence, self-awareness, who have good relationship skills, and years of practice in creating healthy connections, those girls are much more likely to be in charge of their relationships, and they're going to be much more likely to put off an energy in the hallways of school that says, don't mess with me. So I think we do need to educate our girls. We need to give our girls skills. We need to do the things I talked about at home with them. And we also need to spend way more energy focusing on the environment and the system. Because we just focus on the girls, then they feel blamed, they feel responsible, and it's not fair, and it's not right, and it's not true. I would demand that your, your daughter's school has workshops where the, where the guys and girls can sit down together, discuss their point of view, discuss behaviors, discuss boundaries, and make commitments to each other and set intentions about what it's going to be like at their school. Get them to commit to stand up for each other instead of being voiceless bystanders. When I work with, with kids with my Strong Girls, Strong World School program, I get them to, to talk about boundaries and talk about uh, intentions for how they're going to treat each other. 
And it's, these are often, not always, but oftentimes, you know, grade school, maybe early middle school kind of students. It's oftentimes about friendship things, about bullying, about teasing and all that kind of stuff. But I think the same thing is true for the sexual harassment issue. We've got to empower the bystanders. We need the kids to make commitments that they are not going to put up with it. They're going to support each other, back each other up. They're going to, re- they're going to report things. It's okay to report things. Sex education at home and at school should not be just the birds and the bees. It should be about relationship education, about consent, about reading cues. We need to do a much better job of education. So I think all those places have a responsibility. I think girls do. I think boys do. I think parents do. I think schools do. I think school districts do. And I think our culture does. I would talk about this now as the school year starts. And if your year has already started, then there's no time to, better time to start than now. Prepare your girls as they go to school. Let them know that you understand what's going on and you're there to support them. If they ever feel like they need some support to come to you and you won't judge and you won't immediately call the school or call some boys' parents, you will listen to them and help support them in the way they want to be supported. I am, it it just bothers me to no end that this is happening so much to girls and especially that they feel so powerless and helpless to make a difference and to make it different. They need our support. You might want to listen to this podcast with your daughter and maybe it will trigger some good conversations about their experiences and how they take care of themselves what kind of support they might need this school year when it comes to that issue. I hope, that, I hope that's helpful. And if you find this podcast helpful, then please share it. Send it to your friends, send it to whomever, so that they also can have some conversations with their daughters and their sons, by the way, about what can be done different to uh, make this issue lessen and go away. If you want more information about about all this, then check out my website. I've got other blogs and podcasts. I've talked about varying issues that are related to this. My po- uh, excuse me, my website is www.drtimjordan.com. That's www.dr, like a doctor, timjordan.com. I also encourage you to read that book by John Krakauer, Missoula, because it also ta- it sheds a lot of light on this issue. I think you'll be much more educated and and have more information to give to your daughters and then have your daughters read it as well. I hope your daughters and you get off to a good start this school year. I really do appreciate you stopping by and listening to these podcasts every week. I'll be back in a week with another topic and another podcast. Until then, um, have this conversation with your daughter and have a good start to your school year. Thanks so much for stopping by.